Welcome to another edition of the SB Live California podcast. Connor Morissette with Mitch Stevens, Bodie De Silva, and Lance Smith. Another jam-packed episode coming your way. Bunch of big games last week and some big ones coming up this week, which we will touch on. I had the chance to go to Modern Day's big win over Corona Centennial, which I'm going to start off the show talking about. Mitch had the chance to see Sarah San Mateo stage an awesome comeback against De La Salle. Bodie saw some Arizona teams beat up on some San Diego teams. We'll get into that. Lance was at the game of the week in Southern California, though. Mission Viejo losing to Long Beach Poly. I did not expect that to happen. Um, so we'll get into all this. But like I said, I want to get into that modern day Corona Centennial win. So after that game, my big takeaway was that in the Southern section last year was an anomaly. There were four teams who had a chance to win the Division I Southern section championship a year ago. It was modern day. It was Bosco. It was Servite and it was Corona Centennial. And we saw that play out in the semifinals. Those games were close. And it was really awesome to see that it was competitive at the top. And after Modern Day goes on the road and beats up Corona Centennial, really, they didn't even look like they belonged in the same league in that game for, for stretches. It looks like it's back to normal in the Southern section in the sense that Modern Day, St. John Bosco, pretty sizable gap, everyone else. And that to me makes it look like there should probably be at some point of a 14 playoff in the division one uh, playoffs in the Southern section, because these opening round matchups just aren't going to be competitive. And we saw that in Bishop Amat's game against St. John Bosco. If the season ended today, Bishop Amat would be the seventh seed in D one and St. John Bosco would be one. So Amat would play modern day. Who's comparable to St. John Bosco, obviously in, in, Bishop Amat's game against Bosco last week, it was 35-0 at halftime. These first-round games aren't going to be close. And then in the second round, I don't anticipate games being close either because Modern Day and St. John Bosco are so far ahead. So last year, a bit of an anomaly. It was great that it was competitive in that second round. I do not see that happening in D1 this year. Uh, after Modern Day beats up Corona Centennial and St. John Bosco has been beating up everyone there playing, it's just so clear how much better they are than everyone else. And that, and that was my big takeaway, which made me a little depressed because I loved last year how how – close everything was and how Servite got that big win against Bosco and Corona Centennial really had a chance to beat modern day. Uh, but it looks like that's really no longer the case in Southern California, in the Southern section. So uh, that was my big takeaway, just how much modern day and St. John Bosco have separated themselves and how they can do it year in and year out. in these other teams, it takes a generational season for them to be in the mix, like a Servite and the Corona Centennial, they do a good job of getting to that semifinal game, but it just looks like uh, even if they do improve this year, that they're, they're going to be outmatched again. So, uh, Mitch, I don't know, or, or Lance, if you have any thoughts on that, but it's it's too bad when three weeks in, uh, we know what D1 is going to look like. That's why D2 and D3, D4 will be so exciting. Uh, but any thoughts from you guys on that? Yeah, I mean, it, it is sad. And uh, you don't want to write out the other teams, but there's so much history to just uh, go against the fact that um, or go against the idea that someone could challenge these two teams, even if someone like a Centennial or uh, who knows, a Mission Viejo or SM or Poly, whoever, uh, improves a bunch throughout the season. Um, yeah, last year was really special for that. And it would have been different, I think, if Centennial didn't quite give Modern Day a real run for its money. I think the way we would we would look at last year in hindsight a little bit is, yeah, it was great to have Servite in the mix. And it was, it, it, you know, just the fact that we had that semifinal game was great. But at the end of the day, Modern Day ran off with it. Like, like the fact that Centennial was able to give them that scare, uh, I think really changed how we look at, look at that season in hindsight. And um, yeah, I, I guess uh, other than that, yeah, you said it. And yeah. Mitch, or go ahead. Well, I, 
I'll, I'll probably twist this over to Northern, Northern California, but I mean, I, we've seen uh, in Northern California and specifically in the North Coast section for 29 straight years, De La Salle, I mean, it, it's not even been close, you know, and you call it, uh, you know, Lance summed it up well. I mean, it's sad. Uh, you know, there, there's something, you, you can look at something and go, well, you know, appreciate its greatness. And you can look at uh, Bosco and Modern Day and you can appreciate its its greatness. There, it's, it is unbelievable that they have separated themselves. You know, for, for people are going to say, well, for what reason? But, I mean, they make the most of certainly what they got, for sure. Um, and the same with De La Salle. But, you know, in, in that section, I mean, it's been a foregone, foregone conclusion. Who's going to win? And, uh, you know, for the other teams and from a, just a competitive standpoint, it, it's – it's uh, it almost feels pointless, yeah, like you said. So there's two teams, and, and these rest of these teams, you know, somebody's got to figure out a way, you know, uh, easier said than done, yeah, to create some sort of other playoff and just let those two teams play at this point. I mean, we've been talking about this for what's six years, but it, but like you said, last year uh, gave some hope with those two other teams, and uh, like you said, a four-team playoff. But anyway. Uh, it is. Uh, I, I was doing the state rankings, and it's just like, okay, they've completely separated themselves from the rest of the, basically the state. Yeah, and Mitch, in Northern California now, it's, I don't want to say wide open, but we saw Sarah's won the two big games, but uh, it's a little bit more of a competition now than right. it used to be. Can you explain maybe why that is, and if the if the southern part of the state will, will ever have the chance to, to see something like that play out uh, in the future? How come De La Salle maybe – isn't as good as they used to be or, or why is Folsom and, and Sarah been able to close the gap? Um, and, and is there anyone else in the mix who can maybe play for that open division state championship this year, other than, than those three, right, but it's, right. it's definitely more open than it used to be. Uh, why do you think that is? Well, I mean, how it's got that way, it's been a gradual, you know, we, we just seen it, uh, you know, De La Salle uh, in the last calendar year, uh, it had lost to a Northern California team in, uh, north of uh, Fresno uh, in uh, 20, 30 years in 318 games. And now they've lost three games to Northern California teams in one calendar year. So I, I don't think it means De La Salle's dropped off the map. I just think uh, those other programs have just slowly risen. And, and it comes down to personnel. Uh, you know, basically, they're getting more and more uh, – they're getting better and better players uh, at Folsom, at Sarah, uh, and there there is a whole psychological thing, and that's that's where I saw this thing turning the other day when Sarah uh, defeated De La Salle. It's just more of a psychological, like I can look you in the eye. Uh, it's not a fourteen point advantage when the game starts, um, as it always is. I mean, Pittsburgh is a fantastic program. They have been, and they have not come close to beating De La Salle. Until they do, you just do it once, maybe twice. And uh, I mean, that I think, you know, there's something about that whole psychological edge too. I don't think it's De La Salle is dropping off completely. I, th I think these other teams are just rising. And uh, at this point, those three programs are good. But we, you talk about, is there another team? Well, I tell you, Menlo Atherton has looked pretty darn good 
And hey, uh, wow, they got uh, Jerry on Dickey as this last piece. Uh, so, you know, maybe it is, it just does come down to personnel. Uh, but there's there's lots of reasons, but it's an interesting uh, dynamic to see, especially for De La Salle, who's just absolutely, it's just been phenomenal. So to see what they've done for 30 years, I just, uh, and, and they've done it, you know, they're a private school, they have built-in advantages. All private schools do. They, they're built in. There's there's no getting around that. Um, De La Salle doesn't have all the private schools around them, uh, you know, like uh, like on the peninsula in, in the Bay Area, they have a whole league, West Catholic. There's eight of them, and they're all private schools, and so they all kind of share in this wealth. De La Salle is not, and plus they've had this system and this coaching staff they absolutely have done it right. Uh, they've made the very most of everything. Um, so anyway, it's a, it's a whole interesting process for sure. <laughs> when did Latticer step down, Mitch? He stepped down in 2013 and basically everything was all in place. He picked, handpicked Justin Allenbaugh, uh, who didn't miss a beat. I don't know if you saw that the, his winning percentage up until these three losses was right there with Lasser, who had the greatest, uh, he had the, the highest winning percentage in national history. You know, it was uh, 93%, uh, 399, 25 and one. He had won, <laughs> he had won more section championships than they had losses. Uh, kind of insane. So, um, but um, anyway, he left then. I mean, so is it is it that uh, that they're dropping off? I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, they got some good guys, you know, um, uh, other guys stepping in at coaches, and, and Justin obviously knows what he's doing. They all do. But, um, yeah, it's, it's more of a personal thing. And per personally, I just think, you know, the quarterback, because, you know, they run the veer. It's just a different, uh, you know, offense. It's And it's been great because nobody can defend it, but – uh, it also doesn't attract uh, the, the the top end uh, Division One quarterbacks, you know. And, and that's not a they got two good kids now. You know, they're they're really good. But uh, these other programs, you know, have four and five star kids playing quarterback. Yeah, I think that's a part of it. And I'm excited. I shouldn't say excited, but I'm interested to see what happens when Bruce Rollinson eventually steps aside at Modern Day. Uh -huh. And we see who he handpicks and what the next few years will look like after that. Because I know Justin Allenbaugh is a phenomenal coach. Yes. And um, I, I think you're right, though. Maybe the style of play has a little bit to do with it just because you, you might not get those top, top players because on offense because they want to be showcased in a different type of offense. So I, I think that's an interesting part of it. But we might see something happen similarly with modern day where they're going to need a new coach eventually. And uh, just after that, will they take a step back? That's something uh, that I think if you are a fan of uh, parody and you want to see some, some other teams get in the mix, you have to hope that if modern day does get a new coach, maybe things will go a little bit different for them. I, I also think that the fact that Patrick Walsh has been at Sarah for so long, it, it takes a long time to build a program up to the, the top of the top. And he was in the open division state championship a year ago and it looks like they'll have a good shot to get there again. I think the fact that he's been there for so long really is what's pushed uh, uh, Sarah. But you, you would know better than, than I would, Mitch. But, uh, no, you studied that well. Go ahead, Lance. What were you thinking? 
Yeah. What, one thing I've heard from uh, the coaches up there that I've talked to is that uh, Sarah or uh, the whole West Catholic league, but especially Sarah uh, is getting more pull by the year in terms of uh, uh, kids coming from farther areas, like more kids from the East Bay going to the West Catholic, certainly Sarah leading the charge for that. And um, you know, you also get some kids going to SoCal from uh, the Bay area, not a ton, uh, and not the biggest names more often than not. Um, but it, it only takes a small amount uh, from some of these schools, the, the few schools that are really uh, in that echelon that we're talking about. It, it only takes a few to go to SoCal uh, to really make something of a dent. So uh, those are a couple of things I've heard just from the coaches up there who I've talked to. Well, that's a good point. And case in point, their starting quarterback, is he's from Sacramento. Uh, he he played his freshman year. Uh, do you remember the school? Uh, it's escaping me, but he went to uh, his freshman year and played varsity football in Sacramento. And uh, now that De La Salle had that a couple of year with uh, Henry, uh, linebacker at yep. uh, Alabama. He was a Sacramento kid. But instead of stopping in Sacramento, <laughs> they they went all the way to uh you know, San Mateo, uh, so they, they bypassed the quarterback kid. And he is, he and, and just speaking of that game, he was he was the difference, really, uh, in the game on Friday night. Uh, Maui Smith, uh, I'm not going to try to pronounce this full name. So let's, get, let's get into that game Friday night, Mitch. I, I want to hear your thoughts. I, I want to hear what Patrick Walsh had to say. Uh, I'll just give you the floor right here, because what a game that was. That was certainly... I think the, the game of the week in the state with Long Beach Poly Mission Viejo right behind it. Um, but just your thoughts on that game, takeaways you had, uh, the floor's yours. Oh, man. I feel like I'm dominating this thing. Uh, just, yeah, I've been writing about it. I wrote about it all weekend. A uh, bunch of takes on SB Live Sports, uh, if you want to read. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, it was. It was it was quite a happening. There was uh, – the place was packed. I mean, it was just uh, – uh, and totally evenly matched teams. I mean, and uh, De La Salle, um, you know, Sarah was shooting itself in the foot. Basically, it, it it got it was really controlling play, and but they were they fumbled twice. I mean, De La Salle hit hit the kids hard. It wasn't like uh, they just fumbled it away. They De La Salle still hits, and uh, so they were up. Uh, so the game was tied, and it felt like Sarah should have been up, and uh, and De La Salle then started taking control. They led 21 to seven late in the third. And you just, it was just like, there's just no way this can turn, but this Sarah team, uh, as they showed in the Folsom game too, they're just very, um, you know, they just keep talking about being gritty. Maybe it's like, uh, the lions on, uh, hard knocks grit. Uh, they're, they're the same way, you know, they're just, uh, they just hung in, hung in. And then, like I said, Maui Smith took over and, uh, and then De La Salle really, I guess that was kind of the, the part about De La Salle. They just didn't execute down the stretch. They really made a lot of mistakes. And um, the last mistake uh, really hurt them, an uh, interception, and they kicked a game-winning field goal. And, and, you know, the question is, you know, Patrick Walsh, you know, just asked him, is this the changing of the guard? You know, I mean, it kind of felt like – and it's kind of funny. This one kid, his name is uh, Marlon uh, – Marley – Alapati, I'm hacking his name. Uh, he, he was at De La Salle last year. He changed uniforms uh, to uh, Sarah. 
he's a South San Francisco kid, so I don't know how he ended up De La Salle anyway, but he, he transfers. He, he, he had the first takeover. Uh, he had a fumble recovery. They scored. He had the last interception, and they kicked the game-winning field goal. It was almost like his change, almost like it tipped the scales. You know, I mean, it, it's not that simple, obviously. But you feel like that one kid just maybe tipped the scales, you know, personnel-wise, and, um, and, and, and just that – that feel and see Patrick, I mean, that, that reaction alone, I, I wrote a lot about him and I've covered him since he was a little leaguer and uh, his um, reaction, you know, he went to De La Salle. He loves De La Salle. He knows all the coaches. Alan Ball's his best friend. Uh, you know, I mean, there's all these dynamics going on, but you could just see he, he was just so refreshed and, you know, just feeling wonderful. And it was, it was neat to see. He was with his family. Uh, it doesn't mean that they're going to just roll and they just passed up De La Salle. I don't, it's not going to be that, you know, it could go either way, but you know, they, they gotten killed by De La Salle, well, you know, seven of the 10 times they've been beaten, you know, so a lot of dynamics there. In fact, uh, there's national television crew there. Just, uh, it, it was just a, it was a neat thing, not, not obviously for DLSL kids, but they're going to, they'll be fine. Uh, but it, it was neat to see from a Sarah side and for Patrick himself. And uh, yeah. Uh, so there's my, my, I, had, I did 10 takes and I could in 10 more. There, it was that kind of uh, event and it was really fun to see. Yeah. Read scorebooklive.com slash California for Mitch's full takeaways on that one. All right, Bodie, we're like, what, 20 minutes in, maybe a little Sorry. less? And we No, no, no. Yeah. Sometimes the shows uh, just go the way they go. So I want to talk about San Diego now, Bodie. We see Cathedral Catholic play another big-time opponent, have some trouble with Chandler, but that was expected. Uh, Modern-day Catholic loses to Red Mountain. Um, we can You can go game by game, but some of your thoughts on those games. Yeah, for starting with Modern Day Catholic, it's been a rough go. They they put together a really challenging schedule. They're coming off the undefeated season um, a year ago, and and so far they just haven't been there. They've dealt with a lot of injuries. Trey Edwards has, has been out since a first half injury in Week One, and Chris Snyder didn't play this week, and Cruz Estrada. But um, they they have guys. They have a lot of returning starters, and so far it just hasn't been clicking. Um, offensively, I think just whether it's, and they only replaced a few offensive linemen. They had all their receivers coming back. Um, there just seems to be something missing against these top teams, but, um, they're certainly going to be desperate their league play. They'll be the favorites. So they're certainly not out of the open division hunt yet, but, um, things have to change because they've got Lincoln this week. And, um, that's a Lincoln team who's, who's looked really good. They've, they've had some injuries at quarterback themselves, but yeah, Red Mountain was a good team and, and brought it to, to modern day and, and, and really, really showed them, um, a complete game offensively, defensively. It was seven, seven at halftime, but Red Mountain returned the opening kickoff. And just from there, it seemed they took control and, and never looked back. And, and then in game two, not a, not a ton of surprise there. Obviously we think a ton of Chandler as a, as a top 10 team and, and I think soon to be a top five team in the country. And it was the debut of Dylan Rayola, their junior quarterback, the unanimous number one junior in, in the country. And um, so impressive. I, I, um, I've seen a lot of Julian Sand, who's the second ranked quarterback in that junior class. And, and Dylan definitely proved um, to me, at least that, that he is that top guy and, and only really scratching the surface. He's, he's a dual threat guy, but he doesn't look to run too much. 
Um, he's got some weapons, not like there's five stars outside there, but they're just overall um, just have such a good team. And um, Amari Washington, their defensive tackle, I think that's what stuck out to me, having seen Centennial the week before, to have a 6'3", 300-pound guy kind of leading the way up front is going to be a challenge for any team that that they go up against, and um, certainly all these Arizona teams. And there are some good ones, whether it's Basha or Saguaro, that they'll see later on, but really impressive stuff there. Um, and I'm, I'm interested to see how Cathedral bounces back because two weeks in a row they've really had it put to them. Um, and it doesn't get easy. They've, they're going to travel to Helix this week and a Helix team that's three and O a new coaching staff, but looks like they're the real deal. And, um, I think opposite of what we've talked about in other parts of the, the state, but the San Diego section, I think is really wide open. Um, you probably have five, six, maybe even seven teams. If you want to include mission Hills that, um, are jockeying for the four team open division playoffs. And, um, despite the out of section losses, I still think that's a really good thing that, um, three weeks in that there's a lot of teams that um, have made some noise and despite Cathedral being one and two and Carlsbad lost to Englewood and Lincoln lost to Alameny like there are still um, San Diego teams that I think are, are pretty consistent and it's not like a year where we go okay Cathedral's just going to run through everyone um, even like last year maybe there isn't success for San Diego at the state level at the highest levels this year um, but I think when the playoffs come around it'll be very very comparable and um, a Madison, a Helix, um, and even modern day Catholic can work their way back in. So um, for San Diego, I, I think there's some excitement, but obviously some disappointment with out of section losses. Do you think modern day Catholic has a good chance to work their way back in or are they probably D1? Yeah, at this point, I would say they're probably D1, but if they can go beat Lincoln this week, then that would change everything for them. Um, I know there was some hope that they would have Trey Edwards back for this game, and, and that's going to be a huge thing because the the numbers Roderick Robinson has put up in three games so far have been incredible, and that's even with some quarterback injuries they've dealt with. Last week, I believe they only threw the ball six or seven times. Uh, Rod went for 304 yards and, and three touchdowns, so um, in three games, he's averaging over 14 yards per carry. So it's pretty clear where the ball is going to go uh, for modern day. It's it's just figuring out how do you stop them. And if you have Trey Edwards, who looks like he'll be a future teammate, whether or not Rod ends up at UCLA, they're both committed there as of now. So, um, yeah, for modern day Catholic, it can all turn if they can win this week. But um, that's a big ask for them. And um, I, if I had to guess, Carlsbad Cathedral, maybe a rematch of what we saw last year. But uh, Madison, who I'm going to see this Friday, is definitely the one um, that would be in their way. And, and Madison hasn't played a great schedule so far. They shut out Desert Vista, Desert Vista from Arizona this weekend at the Honor Bowl. Um, it, they're going to play Ramona this week, a top 10 team. And then they're going to have Cathedral and Lincoln in league play. So if they can make their way to the open division, they definitely will have earned it. You mentioned the, the quarterbacks, Rayola, so good in that 24 class. Julian Sane, you've seen a bunch, and we all know how much I love Elijah Brown. I think it's a good time to give this take pretty deep into the podcast, but if there was any California high school quarterback I could start my team with, I'd, I'd take Elijah Brown over uh, anyone right now. So um, that's my take. Lance, <laughs> let's go to you. Mission Viejo, a team I thought was going to beat Long Beach Poly like they did a year ago. They lose right at the end. Takeaways from that game. And I think that's a game that locks Long Beach Poly into the D1 playoffs in the Southern section. So, so very significant. What were your thoughts covering that game? They were really similar, really even. Uh, not similar stylistically, but just in talent. Oh, it was so even. 
Uh, I think it was one of those games where either team could have won and one of them made plays. Uh, it was Mission Viejo making the plays in the first half. Their receivers looked so good in the first half. And uh, Paulie's guys had a few drops and uh, weren't picking up a whole lot of yards after contact. And then those two things switched just a bit in the second half. That was the biggest thing tactically I'd point to. Um, a few drops from Mission Viejo guys, but mostly just they they weren't. Um, making the really tough plays, whereas Pauly's secondary was just nuts. As their receivers were turning it on, as Darius Curry was getting going, he was lights out. He had two bad picks, but other than that, was absolutely lights out. 30 of 40 completion, 300 yards. Uh, that that was the number one thing. They just, they just tightened up in the backfield on both ends uh, just a bit. Um, I, the, one of the biggest things that occurred to me when you know, Mission Viejo had all this noise coming into the season, people saying, oh, this is like the 2019 team. Uh, the biggest thing to me was, well, not quite on the lines. That 2019 team that they had was very good on the offensive line and had one of the best defensive lines in the state, maybe even the country. And Mission Viejo is still great on the lines, but they're going to have to take at least a step and a half up on both uh, sides of the ball in the trenches to be able to uh, be 100% against those other D1 teams, against the likes of a Los Al or a Pauly uh, or a Santa Margarita. And they'll have to take two steps up on the trenches to be able to hang with uh, modern, to be able to play with a modern day or with a Bosco, even for, you know, say one quarter. Um, I, I thought that Pauly's O-line had a huge stock raising performance. I didn't know uh, that they had quite quite what they had, uh, especially pass protection. Mission Viejo was able to make it really tough for Devin Samples for most of the game, but Darius Curry was swimming with space quite a bit of the time, and uh, he he was punishing them. And when, when he decided to run, he was uh, punishing them a few times for that. So I, I think if these two teams were to play again, it's play ten times. I, I think it's going to be five and five probably. Um, I, I think Mission Viejo has another gear to hit, whereas I think Pauly is already clicking in about as high of a gear as they have, or not quite, but uh, almost. I, I just think that if Mission Viejo can buy Caden Samanza a bit more time, I, I do think that they can uh, pull out some of these close clutch plays uh, on the offensive side of the ball. But uh, really even teams and just uh, holy cow is Long Beach Pauly Athletic. Great point by you about the Mission Viejo lines, because I know their coaching staff was really high on that group, but you're right. They don't necessarily have those big names that they did in 2019. And also with Mission Viejo, I don't want to make an excuse for them. I just know the flu is going around with their team, but this is now week three of that. So that's, that's been going on for, for a little while now. Um, uh, I think both teams will still make D1. So I probably won't get a rematch, but uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, don't anticipate Mission Viejo dropping another game, but uh, that was a really strong point you made, Lance, about the lines. Let's move now to talk about some games we'll be covering this week. I have a wedding in New York. My cousin decided to get married during the football season, so uh, what can you do? Mitch, let's <clears throat> excuse me, go to you. Which games will you be covering this week? You know, I'm just uh, covering one. I'm going down to uh, I'm going to the middle of the inferno, Baker's, uh, uh, you know, Actually, there was a game in Santa Barbara I was considering, uh, but I'm going to go to Bakersfield because it's such a good game. Lance, in fact, made it the game of the week uh, in the state, and that's uh, Buchanan and Clovis. 
at uh, Liberty of Bakersfield, a central Titanic. Um, yeah, and they're both in our state rankings are 24 and 25. And um, yeah, just a great matchup. Um, I haven't gone into the history. I've played much. I don't think they have. Uh, but um, obviously, uh, Liberty is, is, is stacked. I, I think they're just maybe, and I'm doing this from afar, but I think they might be a tad more physical up front. They got Grant Bucky going to USC and Kate Great Line. Uh, you, you know, and they got playmakers too, but I think that, uh, uh, but they also have three uh, quarterbacks and they're still the. Uh, Trey Nixon, the coach, uh, his son, I think, has taken over the, the reins. And that's where Buchanan maybe has a little advantage because they got uh, Jaden Mandel, who's going to uh, Mandel, who's going to uh, Fresno State. But they got playmakers, too. They got a lot of playmakers. They've won a couple close games. So uh, it should be a great game. Yeah. I'm excited to see what that quarterback has up his sleeve. I, I think, like we've talked about before, we underrate him. So underrate him no more, especially if he has a good game. Uh, really excited to see that. I'll definitely read your article uh, in New York. At the <laughs> <study>. <laughs> All right, Bodie, let's go to you. What, what game will you be at this week? Yeah, I'm going to be at uh, Ramona traveling to Madison, another non-league matchup. Uh, Madison, I moved up to number two this week in the San Diego section. They've been really dominant so far in three games, outscoring their opponents by 103. They're coming off a shutout of Desert Vista. Uh, this last Saturday in the Honor Bowl. And um, Madison, that I, I really liked them before the year, talking to head coach Rick Jackson. They returned so much, um, especially at all the important positions, a returning quarterback in Reggie Jackson. And this was a team last year that relied a lot more on the run. They just kind of had Reggie run when he needed to, make a few passes per game. But I think the most exciting part for them is uh, this last week against Desert Vista, he threw for a career-high 368 yards, four touchdown passes. So the more they can open up the offense, use these receivers, Jake Jackson, uh, head coach Rick's son, the future, I think, MLB draft pick. He's committed to play baseball at San Diego State. Really terrific tri-sport athlete. Um, the more that they can use the receivers and, and Jake specifically to open up that run game makes them really dangerous. And defensively, they've got big-time guys that – at every level, James Tavaya, really good linebacker, only a junior. He'll be playing in the Pac-12 in the future. Um, so I think Madison can make another big statement this week. Ramona's been a been a surprising team so far, really good. They did lose their first game to Poway last week. But um, if Ramona can get through this one, I expect them to be unbeaten the rest of the season. And really the same with Madison. They'll have some chances. Cathedral and Lincoln won't be easy games, but um, I think they're set up really well if they can stay healthy. Um, I don't think it's impossible that they could um, find the way to get the number one seed in the open division. If they keep it up, the schedule will definitely match up for them. So this is a game I'm excited for this week. Amazing. Lance, how about you? Well, on Thursday, I'm going to get my first ever look at Palos Verdes. I've been curious what they're doing over there for uh, a few years because uh, everyone who plays them says they're wickedly well coached. Uh, they play some of the top teams in the section uh, surprisingly close and very few people can ever name one player on their team. So I'm excited to see them, and I'll see them against Edison, uh, who's obviously coming off a scintillating win over Orange Lutheran. I was there when they played 23-21. Uh, Olu won that game last year, and uh, Edison clearly returned the favor this time. Um, and right now, you look at Edison. They're in the division, the projected Division One bubble. Um, I don't know if they'll stay there, but 
I wouldn't be shocked if they do. Uh, they always play with so much chemistry. They're so good at reloading uh, senior class after senior class based on almost entirely internal development. Uh, I mean, they might get one or two big uh, or moderately big transfers a year, but uh, they're really doing it internally. And uh, they're, they're just fun to watch year after year for that reason. So I'm not surprised to see they're having the year they have. Uh, Parker Awad, uh, pronunciation check on the last name, but uh, the dude's a baller. Right now his quarterback rating, or his sorry, his passer rating uh, is well over 150, uh, is averaging over 250 yards a game, eight touchdowns to zero interceptions. Three-star guy, uh, he doesn't have any offers listed on 247 or 24-7. I'm pretty sure he does have one or two D1 offers. Uh, another fact check on that uh, would be in order, but um, right now he's proving himself to be what a lot of people already thought he was uh, coming into the season, and that's uh, one of the most underrated quarterbacks in SoCal. Um, Dom Lopez, linebacker, another guy on that team is having a big year. And then on Friday, I'm going to see another Sunset League game, uh, Corona Del Mar versus San Clemente. Uh, Corona Del, speaking of Palos Verdes, by the way, uh, Corona Del Mar narrowly escaped with the 14-7 win over them last week. Uh, and they're a good defensive team. San Clemente year after year plays in about as many defensive grinders as anyone you'll see. The two teams played last year. It was a seven to three win for CDM. Uh, so I'm expecting uh, I, 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 probably first one to 17 wins if it even gets to that. Um, so should be should be a couple good games. Uh, definitely ed taking Edison on Thursday and then on Friday. I don't even know. San Clemente tends to pull upsets when I see them in person. So. Uh, that makes me want to take San Clemente, but uh, it's at Corona Del Mar. So I, I, I jury's out on that one. It, it'll be cool, but uh, hopefully it's not too much of a defensive slugfest. A few thoughts on Edison. Like you said, their coach, Jeff Grady, guy does an exceptional job, one of, one of the best coaches in Southern California, in my opinion. What was interesting about Edison, remember Nico Brown, Lance? I'm sure you do. So his brother, Marcus, is on modern day. He's a junior, and he caught three touchdowns from elijah brown not related they're just really good friends on <laughs> friday yeah so edison could maybe wow. be better if they had nico's brother uh but yeah mark marcus brown the real deal uh he had had a shoulder injury last year missed a bunch of time and he now he's back healthy and what i like about him is he went to modern day with no expectations he just kind of showed up and said i'm gonna win a job and that's exactly what he did he's not really this big guy he doesn't have that many that much recruiting interest right now. I'm kind of hijacking this Edison conversation and turning it into a modern day one, but uh, that was really interesting, but back to Edison. So they they're playing Palos Verdes. Like you said, is that at Edison on Thursday night, Lance? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. I'm, pre I'm pretty sure it is, but uh, honestly blanking right now. Okay. If it's at PV, which I don't think it is, but if it is just make sure um, because they play at like four o'clock, I think. So I'd hate for you to show up at seven. <laughs> oh yeah. Good point. Yeah. I've noticed they've done that over the years. Um, yeah, thanks for the tip. But I, I'm sure it's probably at Edison. And I'm Thank looking you. forward to c covering them at some point, hopefully maybe uh, that Los Alamitos game. Um, all right, that's enough rambling on. So thanks, everyone, for, for tuning in. For Mitch, Lance, Bodie, I'm Connor Morissette. We'll see you next week. Have a good week, everybody. <laughs>